0: This is the On The Banks Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at OTB underscore SB Nation. Now, here's your host, Lance Glenn. Hello, everyone. I am, of course, your host, Lance Glenn, and this is episode 68 of the On The Banks Podcast. If you don't already, you can follow me on Twitter at Lance underscore G11, and you can follow On The Banks on Twitter as well at OTB underscore SB Nation. If you enjoy what we do with the On The Banks podcast, make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcast. You can find us just by searching On The Banks. As we sit back, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay home, make sure to check out onthebanks.com for all your Rutgers sports news, opinions, and information. We all want sports to come back both collegiately and professionally, and the only way that happens is if we all do our part in defeating this virus. I am so excited to be joined on episode 68 by former Rutgers assistant coach and current head coach of Fairfield men's basketball, Jay Young. When it comes to Rutgers basketball, the program went a really long time in having one of the assistant coaches leave the program and be hired to lead a program of their own elsewhere. The fact is, that's one of the signs of a successful group. When assistants are being chosen to build programs, it means they have played a part in successfully growing the program they're leaving. Jay Young played a pivotal role in his three years in Piscataway and helped Steve Peichel rebuild Rutgers basketball. He was crucial in turning the Scarlet Knights into one of the best rebounding teams in the Big Ten and one of the best defensive teams in really the entire country. He was by Steve Peichel's side for 14 years, 11 at Stony Brook and 3 at Rutgers. And now he brings that same intensity on the glass and on the defensive end as he leads the Stags. As you'll hear in our conversation, Coach Young helped take on a challenge that really many thought to be impossible. I asked him about it too, you know, building up Rutgers after decades of losing, now in the toughest conference in the country, it just seemed like there was no chance of winning really ever coming. But this staff took on the task and they succeeded. Jay Young played a crucial role in that and I am confident he will be able to do the same thing in the MAC as he gets ready for year two at Fairfield. Time to talk to the coaches. Here's your host, Lance Glenn. He was on the bench next to Steve Peichel for 14 seasons overall, three seasons here at Rutgers, and helped build the Scarlet Knights into one of the best defensive teams in the country. He left after the 2018-2019 campaign, and just this past season completed his first year as the head coach of Fairfield. I am so excited to be joined by Head Men's Basketball Coach of the Stags, Jay Young. Coach, how are you? Thanks so much for coming on and joining me on the podcast.
1: I'm doing well, and uh, I, I appreciate you having me. It's nice you guys to uh, to think of me and, and invite me on. I'm excited to, to talk Rutgers basketball.
0: So, Coach, I'll begin with this. It's obviously a very crazy time right now with the virus and what the country is going through as a whole how have you and your wife been able to adjust to everything and this new normal now that we've been dealing with for really the past few months?
1: Well, it's it's probably been much tougher than it has been on me because I've been around for them. Uh, most time by far <laughs> since, we've, since we've been married so uh it's probably a question to ask how she's adjusting <laughs>
0: uh,
1: and probably the same for kate michael i'm sure too but you know we i've been staying busy doing a lot of zoom stuff like all coaches and uh, trying to stay connected to the team trying to finish up recruiting and and really just kind of figuring this thing out as we go along um certainly no handbook on on um you know how to handle pandemics in the coaching world so i think i think coaches have done as best as they can and, and it's really just trying to keep our guys you know connected and communicating with each other but uh yeah it's probably it, it has been different and spending this much time you know I, I found out we had a rake i didn't know we had a rake for the last <laughs> 11 years and uh, i painted the deck which didn't come out great so i've, I've had a couple projects that i've, I've done but uh my goal is to screw them all up so I don't have to do them again. So uh,
0: I've managed to do that. Well, well, Coach, you know now that you know that you have a rake, I assume that that rake is being put to good use. Uh,
1: I tried <laughs> it. I didn't like it much, and uh, I decided to maybe we should hire someone to do all this stuff. <laughs> so uh, that's that's kind of what we've done. But uh, I've done some yard work, uh, which I never do, and it actually. You know, it it, it has been nice to spend a little time. I'm sure all the coaches will tell you this, that that we're just on the go so much and and gone so much and involved with your team that you do neglect some stuff. But um, I'm certainly ready to get back to work, and I'm sure my wife is ready to to get back to work, too.
0: So so coach, looking at this last season, you were able to play your conference tournament game. Of course, the MAC tournament as a whole was not completed. As you got close, closer and closer to tournament time, news about the virus was starting to spread and it really started becoming more and more a part of our lives. But even with it growing, did it ever cross your mind that the NCAA basketball season could be in jeopardy? That not only your conference tournament, but all the high major tournaments, as well as obviously March Madness, could get canceled and the season could end just like that?
1: It really didn't, um, you know. Right around tournament time, like everybody else, you know, it was certainly getting more serious uh, with the cases, and um, you're aware of it. But then again, you you know, you're really just so involved and focused on your team and trying to get them prepared for the tournament. So I didn't think we would have the tournament canceled, and I didn't think that the NCAA tournament would be canceled. But like everybody else. Um, you know, once the once the NBA shut down, uh, I started to think that that you know the season and the NCAA tournaments could, or the postseason tournaments could be in jeopardy. And yeah. a matter of fact, I was watching Rutgers. I, I stayed at home. I um, think it was Thursday, right? Thursday.
0: Yeah, Thursday, Thursday morning. morning. Yep. Thursday, Thursday morning. Thursday morning. So I stayed home
1: and uh, I was kind of watching Rutgers and. I saw in the background of one of the shots that they were leaving the court. And, you know, I didn't know what time they usually would go on the court and leave. And, and it wasn't a time that they would usually leave. So I started thinking, oh, this tournament's going to be in jeopardy. And then just all the dominoes fell. And, and it was, you know, a crazy few days. And then they finally canceled the MAC tournament. We were one of the later tournaments to cancel. But, but I knew it was inevitable once all those tournaments started getting canceled.
0: I want to first ask about joining Coach Peichel at Rutgers. Look, the program was in a bad place. It had not had success for a long time. You can be honest with me here. Was there any part of you that was nervous at all coming here, thinking to yourself, oh, Rutgers, do I really want to go there with Coach Peichel and try to rebuild the last place team in probably the hardest conference in the country?
1: Yeah, I, I think I'd be lying uh, anybody if you didn't know it was an incredible challenge. Um, I was certainly well aware of that and and well aware of of where the Rutgers had been uh, before Coach took over. But honestly, uh, you know, I'd been with him for 11 years at that time. It's complete trust and faith in Coach and uh, knew what he was capable of doing. So whatever nervousness I did have was... uh, you know, quickly gone, and, and, and I knew Coach was the right man for the job. I just did. I had seen it firsthand for my 11 years at Stony Brook, how hard he worked and uh, how determined he was. So, uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, when we, we all got to Rutgers and we kind of, uh, you know, saw what was in front of us, and it was really the league that just made the job so daunting. It's just, you know, when you think about the other teams in the league and how are you going to kind of pass some of those teams, I think that was the you know, the difference in places I've been at before. But, um, you know, I knew I knew Coach would get it done. I, 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 you know, had complete confidence in him because I, I had seen how good he uh, was for the last 11 years at Stony
0: Brook. And, you know, I'd love to hear about you and Coach Peichel. You were together for over a decade at Stony Brook, then at the Rack. What is your relationship like with Coach? And how did he help you or influence you during your time as an assistant with him at Stony Brook and Rutgers that you now carry over leading the program at Fairfield?
1: Well, I I said this all the time, Um, you know, I got to work for 14 years with a guy I really respected and learned a ton of, and and he was my friend, too, which is really cool, Um, you know, and uh, even to this day, we talk all the time, so that part of it, I think, was unique where we became close friends, our families became really close. Um, You know, I kind of watched his children grow up to think that Brooke is like a... Uh, she's going to a junior year next year in college and when we started Stony Brook she was kind of living in an apartment that they gave us with uh, the coaches sometimes because she came over and started school so it's it's you know I I watched this family grow up so we've we've become very close Um, he was a huge impact on uh, you know I said this I wouldn't be the head coach of Fairfield without him Um, and think if you look at both programs now, uh, where we are, where we started, and kind of where we started at Stony Brook, and where we started at Rutgers, they're very similar things, the way we defended this year, the way we rebounded, kind of the cornerstones of our program. So there's a bunch of lessons that I, I took from Coach. Um, I guess the, the most important one, that there's really no secret sauce here to building this thing. It's just rolling up your sleeves, grinding every day, and getting better, um, and that's what we try to do here.
0: What about Coach Hobbs, Coach Vitron and Coach Knight, all three of whom were on the bench with you from the beginning at Rutgers? When you work with guys every day like them who have previous head coaching or assistant experience, how much easier does it make your job, and what did you learn from them, and how much did they help you become a better coach both with Rutgers and now with Fairfield?
1: Yeah, they, they were tremendous. Uh, you know, I, I work with an extremely talented group of, of coaches who were uh, – not only really good basketball people that I learned a lot from, um, but they were really and are a tremendous people. Um, you know, Brandon and, and uh, Carl and Shoes and, um, and Steve Hain and, you know, Brian, who's with me now. and. You know, everybody in that office, there wasn't that one person in that office that wasn't just a, a great person to work with every day. Um, I learned a lot from Coach Hobbs, learned a lot from, from Brandon and from, from from everybody. I took stuff from every single person that I worked with. Um, but it was just—it was really, really pleasurable to go to work every day. And you know, there were some bad days, obviously, when you when you're building a program, whether you're coming off a losing streak, a couple bad practices, whatever those moments were. But they just made it really enjoyable to um, to to be part of, of what we were doing at Rutgers. So I learned a ton from those guys. Um, you know, they're really good basketball minds, and 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 uh, like I said, just just really good people as well.
0: Before we move on, I want to ask quickly about Coach Knight. Of course, Coach Hobbs led George Washington for almost a decade. Coach Vitrone led Fairleigh Dickinson for a few seasons. You obviously now at Fairfield. Do you think Coach Knight has a head coaching position in his future? Will he join you as the next one to leave Rutgers for an opportunity like that?
1: Well, he should have probably uh, got there before, I, quite honestly. He's he's extremely talented. Uh, there's no question that he could lead a program and be successful, it just like any of us, just needs an opportunity and an athletic director to believe in him. But I learned a lot from Brandon, a really good uh, basketball mind. And, uh, you know, I, everybody knows what a great player he is. But, boy, he's a, he's a tremendous coach. Um, I, t- I was caught talking to him right after the Seton Hall game, um, and I got a chance to watch that game. And uh, I'm just really proud of the way that they played defensively. And I know Brandon's got a big part of that this year um and just said that there was just seemed so connected their ball screen defense was great um and and uh really you know a big part of that was what brandon was doing with those guys this year so he's a tremendous coach great great person um you know uh, just got into pittsburgh hall of fame which is which i would say so it was probably the easiest decision ever <laughs> by a committee but um uh, you know re- really good basketball coach and, and you know, there's there's a smart AD out there somewhere who's going to give them a chance, and they'll be rewarded for it for sure. I just hope it's not this conference. I don't, <laughs>
0: don't want to, to Obviously, it helps the player when there is consistency within the coaching staff. They get coached by the same group every season. They know what to expect from you, and you know what to expect from them. How much does it help as a coach when heading into your office, you know you'll be next to the same guys every day as you attempt to rebuild a program like Rutgers?
1: Yeah, I think it's huge. Um, you know, we, we kind of knew what to expect for each other. We're, we're uh, coaching staff is a lot like the team, right? When you when you've got um, you know guys who have been around and and uh, you kind of know each other's tendencies and you can play off those uh, with recruiting, with with scouting, with just the everyday internet interaction that you have in the office. So. Um, and I think that speaks to a lot about coach Peichel is too, that, that, you know, he does empower his assistants a tremendous uh, amount. I was fortunate that he allowed me to, to uh, do a lot there and allows all his assistants to do stuff. But the synergy that you have, um, from being around each other every day is a lot like a team that, uh, you know, kind of grows together. So, uh, again, and, and they were just great personalities. There were no egos in our office. Um, Guys just kind of got to work every day, did their jobs, and and uh, I, I uh, you know, love being a head coach at Fairfield, but do uh, do miss those guys for sure.
0: So take us into the life of a head coach during this whole thing. The season's over, but two huge factors in building and maintaining success, which are recruiting and development, have not stopped. Of course, every coach is dealing with these obstacles in a different way, but for your group at Fairfield, how have you adapted to really change the way you develop and recruit in a world now with no in-person contact?
1: You know, a couple of months ago, I probably thought Zoom was an energy drink. I'd never <laughs> heard of it before and, and, uh, and, and didn't know uh, anything about it. And now, you know, I'm doing presentations on the thing and uh, and I think that's the world we just had to adjust to. Uh, but we've been able to kind of maintain some of our recruiting, uh, you know, with the class of 21 and doing these presentations like everybody else is. And we do weekly team meetings with our guys. Uh, we're in constant communication with them. We've had some guests come on and join us in a team meeting, which has been great Been a lot of fun to have some, you know, people come on and, and give great messages to our team. And then they're, they've been able to do kind of on their own, um, you know, three times a week they do Uh, workouts that you know we can't have a strength coach on but they do them themselves so it's kind of empowered them to do their the workouts and and that's been good but you know honestly we we, i'm dying to get these guys back in the gym we're just running out of stuff you can do on (laughs) Zoom, and uh i think every coach has just kind of had enough and 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 wants to get back and, and uh, you know, start working with these guys. So it's really been just a lot of Zoom stuff and, and you know, a lot of individual calls and, and that type of stuff to check in on them and their families, make sure they're safe, make sure they're healthy and uh, finishing up school and, and doing all that stuff. So it's it's been unique, that's for sure. It would have been a lot easier if this happened in year six or seven. <laughs> I, think, but I feel a little more comfortable rather than after my first year, but it is it is what it is
0: joined by former Rutgers assistant and current Fairfield men's basketball head coach Jay Young. So coach, at both Stony Brook and Rutgers, you entered into a rebuild, and this past year you had to do somewhat the same at Fairfield. Did you notice any similarities starting out at Fairfield that you came across with Rutgers and Stony Brook? And is the way you and your staff are approaching your still young tenure at the school similar to how you all approach the rebuilds both in Long Island and in Piscataway?
1: Yeah, I think it's been very similar. I took a lot from Coach Peichel, um, you know, and uh, you know, the first thing that we felt that we needed to do was stabilize the program, and, and our greatest control on that would be, you know, our ability to defend and rebound. And uh, on most nights, we did that at Fairfield this year, it gave us a chance to uh, stick around and, and hopefully make a couple of extra buckets at the end of steal some games. So, uh, but it's all about the people. You know, it's all about the people. Um, who you surround yourself with when you're building these things. And I was fortunate to hire a great staff. You know, I brought Brian Dewar, who just got into the Hall of Fame of Stony Brook, and I brought him uh, with me from Rutgers, a guy I had had recruited from Stony Brook. And I was uh, fortunate to hire, you know, Pat Sellers, who I had known uh, for a long time, Chris Casey, who was a head coach, former head coach at Niagara, who had been in this league, and Jimmy McDonald um, as my director of ops. So I hired a great staff, which... You know, um, Coach Michael and I had a, several talks about how important that was. And then just just really, Lance, getting great uh, kids around you who will practice hard and that you can coach really hard. And I think, of, you know, obviously with recruiting you're always trying to improve your talent, but it, to me it's always about those people and how hard you can coach these guys, can get them to overachieve. Because um, if they're going to allow them, themselves to be coached hard, player development's going to be easy. You know, um, that's that's a big part of what we were trying to do here. So I had a really good group. Loved, obviously, we wish I could have won some more games, but um, love working with them every day. Love going to practice. And and we, we really just tried to instill those values of defending and rebounding and, and just playing every possession every night. And that's the same thing that we did at Stony Brook and coach did at Rutgers. Um, if you look back at that first year at Rutgers, how hard those guys played, we didn't have a lot of um, wins. Uh, that year we only won three league games but you know how competitive we were and how you know how how every night uh, we would usually defend and rebound and those are the same things i I would hope that you would see if you watched the fairfield team play this past year
0: you mentioned defense and on the floor look you and coach peichel built rutgers defensively into really one of the top five or ten defenses in the country and that Mm -hmm. carried over to this season your fairfield team as well finished tops in the mac in points against this past year so clearly the defense first mantra that we've grown accustomed to here at the rack carried over with you to alumni hall, go through some of the defensive philosophies you really value. And what do the players at Rutgers and Fairfield do that allows them to execute those defensive plans so well?
1: Well, the first thing is, is, as I alluded to, I think you got to have guys who allow themselves to be coached hard. Um, But if you look at good defensive teams, I I think some of the phrases that people use all the time—that they peak, that they're tough—are teams, are are phrases that Coach always wanted his teams to be like. He came from a background of playing at UConn, that they were great defensively, and um, you know, I I think that uh, people appreciate hard work and people appreciate effort, and that usually is visible on the defensive end. So those are the kind of the values that we always wanted. We wanted guys who could coach our guys who were going to work on that, on the defensive end of the floor and buy into that. And you've got to just, you know, if, if you do it the right way and you get guys to believe in it, it actually works. <laughs> and once they see that, uh, that, you know, they're having success doing it and that it's actually helping them as players, the buy-in comes next. So, uh, you know, a lot of what we, told the guys if, if we want to get better offensively, get the other teams to miss, you know, get, get the other teams to miss rebound and get in transition where we can play earlier in the shot clock rather than playing five on five. So, you know, it always came back to whatever we, we would uh, do and was how can we make the other team miss? How can we rebound the basketball? Uh, and how would that help our success on offense and guys like playing, you know, fast. So our, our thing to them was if you want to play fast, you got to make them miss. And uh, we just kind of hammer those points and those values through constantly. You know, we can make a lot of mistakes at a Stony Brook practice or a Rutgers practice, but you're going to get called, off, called out for, you know, uh, a defensive mistake for sure or, or a lack of a box out or something like that. So it's just the everyday, uh, you know, hammering of those values of, of how hard you should be playing, how you should keep competing. Uh, how you should be defending and rebounding. And and those are non-negotiables and it's just, it's every day. It's every single practice. And sooner or later, the guys, you know, they, they buy into it and you can see what that's led to. Uh, You saw what happened at Stony Brook and and now you're watching what happened, uh, what's happening at Rutgers. Um, They were just a lot of fun to watch this year. Tried to watch them as much as I possibly can, but I, I was just, you know, so proud of the way that they were defending and rebounding. Uh, and um, you know it's it, I, I think the guys the guys have buy-in and that's huge when you have that
0: rutgers obviously took a big leap this past season and reached heights that fans haven't seen in decades you know i'm 100 percent certain no debate they were headed to the ncaa tournament had it not been canceled did the success of this past year surprise you or did you think this season was going to be the one where the program finally broke through and made that run to postseason play
1: i thought um I thought this was going to be a breakthrough year actually I, uh, when I was leaving, uh, you know, we had won seven games last year in the big 10. Um, and I was starting to see the development of all these young guys that were going to be a year old That we had everyone coming back for the most part. J.Y. was sitting out. Um, and I just was starting to feel the buzz and the confidence, uh, in those guys every single day, certainly towards the second half of our season. So, um, uh, you know, they, they added some good pieces with Paul. Um, and I, I really just thought that this was going to be a year that something special could happen there. I did believe that. And it was just so much fun to watch um, every single day. So, I, you know, they did a great job. Um, certainly, uh, I know how disappointed they must have been because I've talked to most of those guys and I was disappointed for them. But they will be back next year and they'll even be
0: better, I'm sure, of that. Coach, a couple more before I let you go. As you look back on your three years at Rutgers, are there games, are there moments that you remember that made you think to yourself, you know, what we are doing here is working, and we are going to build this program into a Big Ten contender for years to come?
1: I think even early on, we saw some uh, some moments for us uh, when, when, even though they were losses, when we played in Madison Square Garden, lost to a good Wisconsin team in overtime. Uh, we went out to Michigan State and lost at Michigan State in overtime. I think that was my second year there. Uh, and really just how hard we were playing and how close we were getting. And then I just felt if we could get, you know, a little better offensively, um, that that would uh, be huge for us. And we started getting better offensive players. But, but you know, it, I don't know if there was one moment or one game. Uh, like I said, my last year there, uh, probably – when we went out and won at Iowa uh, after that devastating loss where they threw the length of the court pass, and we went out, and it was like, a, I want to say like a week later or 10 days later, and really dominated that game from start to finish, I thought that was kind of a turning moment for our program to go on the road and win a game like that. And uh, I, I started thinking then, you know, that – this thing is is going to get going, and, and coach it had those guys playing so hard. And uh, with everybody coming back, like I said, I, I really thought that, uh, that that was kind of a pivotal game for us to bounce back after that devastating loss to them at home and go, go out there, I don't know, like seven days later and really dominate the game from start to finish.
0: Last one, you know, I consider myself someone who is more familiar than the average college basketball fan with the MAC. You know, a friend of mine does play by play for St. Peter's, so I tried to keep up with everything going on, and I saw how crazy and how even, really, top to bottom, the conference was this past year. What are some of the challenges in playing in a conference with some real mid major powers, and what are you most looking forward to with your team uh, now that you enter year number two?
1: Yeah, it's a really good league. Um, and I had been, you know, I'd coached in the Northeast my whole life, so I'm familiar with the league. Where Stony Brook played. Many of the teams that win the MAC, but when you're living it every single day, uh, you realize how good these teams are. They got really good coaches in the league. Uh, I I was really impressed with the guard play. I thought the guard play in our league was terrific, uh, and the difference, like you said, from uh, that makes this a really really tough league. Is the bottom of the league uh, is really good, uh, and you can't you can't go on the road in the bottom of our league and have a bad night and still expect to win we were really good at Stony Brook, Uh, we could go on the road to the bottom half of the league, not play well and still get on the bus with a, with a win. And you can't do that in in this league. So uh, that's a real challenge. I I was just looking forward, you know, that we lost our last regular season game, I'm sorry, our our tournament game to Manhattan uh, on a Tuesday night and Thursday college basketball was shut down. So all the way back from Atlantic city, I was just thinking, man. I'm, um, you know, I know so much more about the league. I know so much more about the team after spending one year here than I did a year ago when I took the job. And I was just really excited to kind of get back in the gym and, and know where we need to go and know what our guys' strengths and weaknesses are and what we really need to work on. So uh, I was fired up. You know, we told we told them, okay, we we're on spring break. They're going to go home, and we'll see them on Sunday. Uh, And we'll get together and we'll start our meetings. And and I haven't seen any of them except for Zoom meetings since that moment. So that's been disappointing. But I'm I'm just really looking, you know, like I always do, looking forward to getting back in the gym and getting better with these guys and improving and watching them develop as people and as players. Um, I don't think in terms of, like, you know, wins and and all that stuff. I just think about us getting better and and how can we advance the program every single day. So that's what I enjoy doing. I enjoy uh, just kind of being in the gym and sweating with these guys. And, and that's really what I miss the most uh, right now. So I think we've improved some of our things, uh, some of our needs for with, with recruiting. I'm looking for the development of our young guys. I'm uh, really just anxious to get back in the, in, on the court.
0: He's the head coach of the Fairfield Stags men's basketball program and helped build Rutgers during his three seasons on the banks with Coach Peichel into a real Big Ten contender. Coach Young, thanks so much for coming on. And I hope you and your family stay safe and stay healthy during this time. And I know all Rutgers fans are excited to see your program continue to grow and have success next season and beyond.
1: Well, that's great. I appreciate you having me. And uh, same to you. Stay, Stay safe and stay healthy.
0: I want to thank Coach Young for coming on the podcast and giving me some time and providing insight on his time at Rutgers and the program he now leads in Fairfield. You know, I said at the beginning that one of the signs of a successful program is when the assistant coaches are coveted by schools to lead their own basketball programs. We went a long time at Rutgers without that happening, but Jay Young was able to end that drought. The bittersweet thing about it is that he is probably not the last assistant to eventually go elsewhere. This program is destined for big things in the future, and the more success they have, the more the staff and players will be recognized for it. I said bittersweet before because, look, obviously we want this staff to stick together forever, but promotions for the assistants means that things are going right at the rack. I asked Coach Young specifically about Coach Knight, and he did not hesitate in saying that he has a future as a head coach. When could that happen? Well, that will all depend on when some of these athletic directors smarten up and give Coach Knight that opportunity. But as I said, one of the signs of a successful program is when assistants are given the chance to lead the teams at other schools. Coach Young got that opportunity and has Fairfield on the right track as he heads into year two leading the Stags. Rutgers basketball is recognized now, and they're respected now. That recognition and respect means that success has arrived. And I know that the success we saw last season is only the beginning for the staff, these players,